The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Oh, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome into another year of All Andy Elford right here on the Anchor Network, and we have a lot to get into tonight. Winterfest has come to an end. The boards and everything are being taken down. We'll reflect on the Toledo Walleye Winterfest and what I think they need to do to improve on it seven years from now. Yes, we'll have another Winterfest soon enough. The Lions are done. One final week of football left. It just can't come to an end. Thank God it's about over. Thank God. The Browns are eliminated from the playoffs on their day off before they played on Monday night. Baker is shut down. He won't be playing anymore. Playoffs and seedings are pretty much set. We'll dive into that tonight. The college football playoff is not what I predicted. It's a rematch of the SEC championship game. Bama versus the Dogs. And Ohio State comes up smelling the roses, my friends. But this is a post-game edition of All Andy Alford tonight. Right here on the Anchor Network as the Jackets tonight took down the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh. Holy. Guess who's back? All Andy Alford. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say I love you guys and welcome into another edition. The first edition of 2022's edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. That is with the Anchor Network and you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes and Apple Music, whether it be on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in to the show tonight and giving me your time and your effort to listen to what's happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You could be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. And welcome into a post-game edition of AllAndyAlfred on this 
the fourth day of January 2022. We're doing this podcast a little after 9.30 tonight as the jacket game has just ended as they took on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And oh, buddy, do I got a beef about the jackets tonight. We'll get into that here in just a few seconds. Also, we'll recap Winterfest 2021. As the walleye competed out against Indianapolis on New Year's Eve. And we'll talk about how I feel about Winterfest overall later on in the program tonight. Also, we'll dive into the college football playoff as well as the rest of the college bowl games. The New Year's Six, we'll dive into that. As well as Week 17 of the National Football League. We'll talk about the Lions and talk about the Browns as both teams are eliminated from playoff contention And we'll look at the playoff scenarios as well as all of the situations going into Sunday's games. Uh, Also, we'll dive a little bit in. We're going to touch on it on Andy Rance tonight about a a, a certain topic. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Uh, So, welcome into the program. Uh, I'm sitting here at the desk. Across from me right now, I have a glass. Of pink with pink Whitney and a little bit of red fago red pop, uh, a little strawberry pink lemonade. Made it made myself a drink because of how bad the jackets were tonight. We're going to start first and foremost with the jackets. Oh my god! Oh my god! COVID is rampant in the NHL. Now I, I'll give you that. We lose Zach Warinsky tonight. Jake Bean is out with a defensive injury, non-COVID related. We no have no Elvis. Uh, we know we don't have Alexander Texier. We get Bjorkstrand back. We have no Tarasov as the backup. So Corby starts tonight. Okay. And, oh, by the way, we're playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to mark this. Mark this in your calendar. On this January 4th, 2022, the Jackets aren't making the playoffs this year. These last two games have been absolutely the most pathetic in, in all my career watching this team. I've watched this team for 20-odd seasons. These last two games have honestly, for me, been the most pathetic hockey I've ever witnessed in my entire life. The Saturday was just the... Saturday for me was just the biggest kick in the balls to start off 2022. For me, it told me that the Jackets aren't for real. You know, and then tonight, I I thought at least we'd be competitive against Tampa Bay, but we weren't. Every aspect of the game, Tampa rolled over and just defeated us. We get an opportunity to take a lead and get some momentum. Tampa comes down the ice and just scores. And I said this before to you guys, and I will say this again. I think Corpy's done in Columbus. And tonight, how that team hung him out to dry is absolutely pathetic. Okay? 
You have to play to your goaltender strength. You don't have, I understand, you don't have Wierenski, you don't have Bean, but you've got Bjorkstrand that is a goal scorer. Gavrikov has to step up to the plate, okay? He, they, 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 it just needs to be done. And I'm hearing on the on Facebook about how Corpy is bad, blah blah blah. They should get rid of him, blah 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 blah. It's gonna happen. We know it's going to happen. We just don't know if it's gonna be free agency, if it's gonna be the trade deadline. We just don't know. Because when Elvis signed the five year deal with the Jackets, we knew that the writing was on the wall for Corpusala. Including yours truly. I knew that we were going to trade Corpusalo sometime either in the season or it was going to be during the off season. To me, this is just tonight's game really puts it home for me that you know the Jackets don't play for Corpy. They play for Elvis. They play for Tarasov. But after that, they say, you know what, Corpy's good enough. We're just gonna play good. We're just not gonna let him worry about him. We're just gonna play the defense and everything like that. You know. I'll just do that. And tonight, it proved yet again that this team is not in the right realm with the regarding of coaching, with the regard of free agency, and with regarding of of management. Again, no credit to John Davidson. To this one, okay? Davidson was in there, had the footprint. It's Yarmo's blame for not getting a good coach with this team. Larson, I've given Larson the opportunity, okay? He needs to rally this team to get going. If they don't rally, this season's a wash. And it was a really a big wash on Saturday for me. Okay? We'll date back here. We were off last we we had our show last week, of course. Games were postponed. We got back on the ice last Thursday against Nashville. Got a big 4-3 win. It was it was a shootout win. Got to give credit to Texier. That goal in the shootout was absolutely beautiful. It honestly when I was sitting on the couch watching the game, I literally stood up and said, holy shit, I can't believe it. He pulled the fire poker out and he scores, okay? But I want to get to Saturday, okay? Saturday is the key thing, okay? Corby's still out and Elvis is the backup. They bring up Tarasov in from Cleveland to get a debut start at home. Now, Tarasov was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And the team played around him. Wierenski getting his sixth of the season. one nothing Jackets. Boquist getting his seventh. 2 nothing Jackets from Nyquist. And then Nyquist getting his sixth from Texier. It's 3 nothing after 20 minutes. I'm saying, I'm sitting at, at my wife's house. I'm sitting at the wife's in-law's house watching this game. And I'm like, ooh, this is, uh... This is a great way to start 2022. And then Texier buries it again in the second for his 11th. 
It's four nothing jackets. Okay, it's four nothing jackets. Now I knew Tarasov would let a few in, and he did let it in. Lorette's getting his fourth of the season, and then Sajak getting his second of the season, and it's four two after forty minutes. And I'm saying to myself, okay, we can shut down in the third period. It's okay. Tarasov goes down with an injury. Elvis comes in. Comes in ice cold. Literally ice cold. Tell me why they let in five unanswered. They let in seven unanswered goals. Seven unanswered goals. I literally... I literally flipped the script. I literally was sitting there watching the game going 4-3. Okay, that's fine. 4-4. Four, four. What's going on? What's 5-4. Four, four. We're losing. 6-4. What? And then the game ends. Sajak, his third. Niederreiter, his tenth. Bear, his second. Lutz, his his fifth, six four, and then Shevchikov, his tenth, and it's seven four, and that was the final. Seven bleeping unanswered goals in the between the second and third period. Are are, are you kidding me? Is it, are we that bad? Are we that bad? Okay. And then I find out Tarasov got is a lower body injury. Because when when Corp when when Merzlinkis came in, I was saying to myself, okay, something's not right with Tarasov. All right, maybe maybe we could just you know you know Elvis is in, we could dreadful, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And he was having a breakout game. Tarasov stopping 31 of 33. His save percentage was a 9.39 before he went down for injury. And then this Elvis came into the building, gave up four on Hazard, stopping 11 of 15. His save percentage, a balmy 733. That's a good pink Whitney. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just how can we be that bad? How can we be that bad to dominate for 40 minutes, almost 40 minutes of the game, dominating it? And it proves to you yet again. Yet again, that you play all 60 minutes of hockey. Un-freaking believable. I'm like, okay, wipe it away. Wipe it away. By the way, for the Hurricanes, they started Anderson. He stopped, I mean, Ronta, they started him. He stopped six of nine. Same percentage of a point six six seven. Pulls him. 
Brings in Anderson. Anderson stops 8 of 9. Same percentage of a point eight eight nine. The overall summary in this game, by the way, three stars. Brady Sajak, the number one star. Steve Kulitz, the number two star. Nyquist is the number three star. Here's the key thing. The Jackets were outshot in this game. 49-18. to 18. That ain't going to cut it. That ain't going to cut it. They were dominated in all aspects of this game after the second period, midway point of the second period. Carolina, 62.3% at the faceoff debt to Columbus's 38%. Both teams over on the power play. Both teams had six minutes of penalties. Jackets were out hit by the Hurricanes 11-9. They were out, they out blocked the Hurricanes 18-7, but they gave away four, 12 giveaways in the game, which caused three goals for the Hurricanes. You can't have that happen. You can't have that happen. You can't have that happen. Nine takeaways for point. And then two of them were for points for the Hurricanes to four for the Jackets. Jackets were outshot in the first period 18 to 9. They were outshot in the second period 15 to 7. They were outshot in the third. Get this 16 to 2. Not Clay fans. Two, three, two, two shots on the net. That is embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. And the Hurricanes have just dominated this series. They beat us, they beat us back in October 5-1. to one. I was there in attendance. They've lost to the Hurricanes 7-4. Now they're in, in Raleigh for the next two times that they play them. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So the Jackets fall on Saturday. And now we get to tonight. Absolutely. I thought, you know, we could rally. But then all the COVID bug, all the injuries started to come in. We get Bjorkstrand back. We, we get we get Jake Bean back. We don't get Bean back. And tonight was just, was honestly probably the worst Game I have witnessed besides Saturday's game. Two terrible games back-to-back for this team. Uh, This is just ridiculous. This is just freaking ridiculous. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. It goes for coaching. It goes to the players. And if I was Larson, I'd be having the players do a Herb Brooks run and laps. Because this is ridiculous. They have been outscored in two games against Carolina and against Tampa. 14-6. to six. If you count shots. If you count shots. Let me do a quick math here. If Let me do a quick math here. The Jackets have given up in the last two games 85 shots on net compared to on shots from them so 83 to 40 that is being doubly outshot in two games no 
one lapse. Again. Again. This team, this team has to have better leadership. Jenner's got to be better. Voracek's got to become the veteran leadership in there. Domi's got to be better. Roslovic's got to be better. Bjorkstrand is just Bjorkstrand. When Texier comes back, you know, we'll be fine. But it depends on goaltending. Corby's got to be a lot better. If he wants to get moved somewhere else, if he wants to get traded, if he's got to play better. Because his, his trade stock has gone straight down because of this. It's just terrible. This team was just terrible. And it it started in the first. The Jackets, Palat getting two goals on the power play from Point and Hedman. It's one nothing Tampa, 4.53 mark of the first period. Then Palat again getting his 12th of the season from McDonough and Point on a tip-in, 2 nothing. Then again, on the power play, Corey Perry getting his ninth of the season from Maroon and Sergachev on the power play. After 20 minutes, it was 3-0 Tampa Bay. I'm saying, oh my God, 3-0. Can it get any worse? Oh, it can! The bleeding stops with Dean Kukin for a little bit. Getting his first goal of the season from Nyquist and Boquist. 37 seconds into the second period. It's 3-1 Jackets. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. It's like that Can't even enjoy it because a minute later, Braden Point beats Corpusal from Cameron Foote and Pilat. It's 4-1 Tampa. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. Nyquist. I, I got to give Nyquist credit on this, on that goal. They made it 4-2. He held the puck, made, made, made that Tampa defender miss and made Kuznetsov absolutely blink. So I got to give Nyquist the credit on that. It is seventh of the season from Andrew Peake and Gavrikov 4-2. That was all the scoring the Jackets had the rest of the game. Maroon getting his seventh of the season. It's 5-2 after 40 minutes. And I'm sitting there with my dad watching this game, and we're looking at each other like, my dad before the game said, it's going to be 5-2 Tampa. I said, you know, I kind of figured that way too. And we were at 5-2 after 40 minutes. And I said, 5-2 after 40. And I, I turned to him and said, do you think we're going to have more scoring? He's like, yep. And he was... And I was absolutely right. We were both absolutely correct. As Bellamere, not even 30, 40, a minute into the third period, beats Corpusalo again. It's 6-2 Tampa. And then Alex Kalorn getting its 10th of the season from Cervelli and Stamkos. That's all the scoring. Jackets fall. Again, and they're now on a two-game losing streak. 
as they lose to the defending Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning, 7-2. Coaching, coaching, coaching. And veterans stepping up to the plate to teach these young kids to step up. That's what's going to be needed to win hockey games! If the Jackets want to compete and get into the wild card spot, there's no chance they're going to win the division. They're not. They're, there's no chance. If you want to compete and get into a wild card spot, which you are still hypothetically still battling for, then for, pardon my language, then for fuck's sake, get going. Honestly, get going. All three stars were Tampa Bay. Corey Perry, the number three star. Braden Point, the number two star. And Pullot, the number one star. Jackets were out shot in the game tonight, 36-22. They led in the faceoff dot, 51% to 49%. So there's a bright spot. The Jackets won in the faceoff department. Cole Sillinger was a good player tonight. i got to give him credit for that, but I'm a little worried about his... What happened to him towards the end of the game? He fell down, took a little bit of a shot to the ankle area. Hopefully he gets bounced back. Here's where the kicker is. The Jackets took so many penalties tonight. And that's another thing. Coaching's got to be better in penalties. As well as the penalty kill. The Jackets had four penalties tonight. And Tampa capitalized on three of the four chances to score. And they did it. They scored three of their seven goals on the power play tonight. Jackets were 0 for 3 on the power play. Unbelievable. Jackets out hit Tampa in the game 17 to 14. They out blocked the Lightning 13 to 11. They had 13 giveaways to Tampa's four. So Tampa led to the giveaways. They also led to the takeaway department at nine takeaways to Columbus's seven. If you look at the overall shots, Jackets had seven shots in the first. Eight shots in the second, seven shots in the third for a total of 22. Tampa had 14 shots in the first, 14 shots in the second, and eight shots in the third for a total of 36. For the Lightning, Vasilevsky, 20 of 22, save percentage of a point nine zero nine. For Corpy, 29 of 36 tonight, save percentage of a point eight zero. Six. That's not going to cut it. <sighs> That's just not going to cut it. This team is in trouble. This team is in trouble. COVID is not just killing us. It is not COVID. It is injuries. It is lack of leadership. It's lack of everything. And that is the problem with the Jackets. This is a young team. I understand that. And I've been telling myself, this is a young team. But how good we started this season off with to where we're at now shows you one thing. Lack of leadership, lack of coaching. But that is what I'm worried about with this team. Larson's got to be better. His staff has to be better. The veterans have to step up to the plate. Again, like I mentioned so many times in this little spiel. And it has to start on Thursday. It has to. Jackets hit the road now. 
they have a big road road test. Back to back games against New Jersey Thursday in in the Prudential Center at the Rock. Then they come back to Nationwide to battle the Devils. They have a day off on Monday. They were scheduled to play Montreal in Montreal, but with the COVID restrictions happening right now up in the Canadian teams, they have postponed that game. So they will play Chicago on Tuesday. By the way, I'm going to be probably at a bar on Tuesday. Stick to our Twitter accounts. It could be yours truly and Nick the Money Man DeVero. We could be going to a bar and watching that game. We might be doing a live stream for that. So stay tuned to the Facebook as well as the Twitter accounts. We'll have that for you. Jackets have uh, Chicago next Tuesday, a week from today. Then they're in Carolina. Then they're in Florida. And then they're back on the road in Philadelphia on the 20th. And then they're home to play the Penguins on the 21st. So there's that all for you tonight as the Jackets fall in in regulation to the defending champions 7-2 to two tonight right here on the Anchor Network. By the way, that was the Jackets report. I'm not going to play the intro because that was just, there's no point to having a Jackets intro because how pathetic they've performed, they don't deserve it. Let me take another sip here. Let's like go around the rest of the NHL. That's happening tonight. Uh, 10-18 to go in the uh, second period. Winnipeg is up 1-0 on Arizona. The Predators and the Knights are tied at 0, just underway in the first. At the end of the second, it's Colorado 2, Chicago 1. Philadelphia and Anaheim are underway as the Ducks are up 1-0. Finals as we speak. Boston a winner 5-3 over New Jersey. Uh, the Flames a loser to uh, Florida 6-2. San Jose falls in Detroit tonight 6-2. Uh, two games postponed, by the way, Washington and Montreal and the Islanders and the Kraken. Tomorrow, by the way, uh, TNT 7-30 will be the Blues in Pittsburgh to battle the Penguins. Toronto is at home. They'll battle the Oilers. And the other game that was scheduled to be played but now is postponed, the Islanders are in Vancouver to battle the Canucks. Looking at the standings going into the rest of the play tonight with the win tonight, Tampa is now 22-8-5 with 49 points in the tops of the Atlantic Division. Florida 22-7-4 with 48 points. Toronto 21-8-2 with 44 points. Metropolitan Division looks like this. The Rangers in the top spot at 22-8-4 with 48 points. Washington 26-8 with 48 points. Carolina 23-7-1 with 47 points. Wildcard race. Pittsburgh top spot at 18-8-5 with 41 points. Boston 17-10-2 with 36 points. The Red Wings on the outside looking in at 15-15-3 with 33 points. Philadelphia 13-13-6 with 32 points. The Jackets at 15-15-1 with 31 points. The Devils at 13, 16, and 5 with 31 points as well. So that's going to be a great matchup right there. See if who's good, if the Jackets are still moving up, or New Jersey's moving up, or both teams are going to start slipping. Islanders, 28 games played. There are 10, 12, and 6 with 26 points. Buffalo is 10, 17, and 6 with 26 points. Ottawa is in ninth spot at 9, 18, and 2 with 20 points. They've only played 29 games. The uh, Canadians are 7, 23, and 4 with 18 points. They have played 34 games 
it's not looking good in Montreal. In the Western Conference, it is the Blues at the top spot in the Central Division at 19-9-5 with 43 points. It is uh, Nashville, 20-11-2 with 42 points. Minnesota, 19-10-2 with 40 points. Pacific Division sees the uh, Golden Knights at 22-12-1 with 45 points. Anaheim, 17-11-7 with 41 points. Calgary in the third spot at 17-8-6 with 40 points. Wild card standings look like this. It is the Avs at 18-8-2 with 38 points. Edmonton, 18-13-2 with 38 points. On the outside looking in are the Kings at 16-12-5 with 37 points. Winnipeg, 15-11-5 with 35 points. San Jose with their loss tonight. They're now 17-16-1 with 35 points. Vancouver, 16-15-3 with 35 points. Dallas, 15-12-2 with 32 points. The Chicago Blackhawks are 11-17-4 with 26 points. Seattle, 10-19-4 with 24 points. And Arizona, 6-21-3 with 15 points. Arizona is the worst team in all of the National Hockey League. So there is the updated standing. Some news and notes around the league, by the way. Uh, Connor McDavid is going to be out for the for the uh, Edmonton Oilers as he has tested positive for COVID-19. So that's not good to see. Uh, the Flames will remain in the Saddle Dome, ending the plan by the city and the new arena that got that got terminated last night. The contract. Uh, Jamie Venn has been re- will rejoin the Dallas Stars after he's been removed from the COVID-19 protocol. Uh, Cam Talbot is now out indefinitely with a lower body injury for the Minnesota Wild. And by the way, how about this Winter Classic game? Now let me talk about the Winter Classic, all right? It fell in a right time for me because I was it felt the game started at seven, okay, and I was watching most of the Ohio State uh, Utah game. For the Rose Bowl. We'll get to that here in just a second. I was watching most of the that and turned it over and watched a lot of the Winter Classic. And it was the coldest Winter Classic in the history of the National Hockey League. It was the coldest hockey game ever in the National Hockey League history. With a temperature at game time of negative 5 degrees Fahrenheit. With a feels like temperature of a negative 25. That is bone chilling cold. Seeing some of the pictures of from the Winter Classic, it was cool to see like the players when they were drinking water and stuff like that. The water was freezing on contact to their beards and everything like that. There was a picture of a gentleman in the upper deck at Target Field where they took where the Winter Classic took place in Minnesota. Had a uh, tall boy Bud Light can turned into a popsicle because it was so cold. So you know it was good to see that, and you know that is what hockey outdoors is ice cold conditions not 60 degree 50 degree weather like some other organizations there's the tipping point right there so there's that and by the way gotta give credit too to this uh by the way uh forward player sam bennett has been suspended three games from the panthers after an altercation in the game brian tanev is out for the remainder of the rest of the season with the tour ACL. That's that's not good to see. That's absolutely not good to see. So that is the NHL roundup as well as the Jackets report. Right here on All Andy Alford tonight right here. On this postgame edition as the Jackets fall to the Tampa Bay Lightning by a score of 7-2. to two. 
as you're listening to us on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's hit the, uh, let's keep hitting the ice. Let's let's talk a little walleye hockey. It's time for the walleye roundup. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup, right here on All Indie Alfred. So it's now time for the first Walleye Roundup of 2022, right here on All Indie Alfred, and we're going to recap the festivities that are have been Winterfest, and it has been a tremendous success for Winterfest this year as the Walleye had their two outdoor games. They took on Kalamazoo the day after Christmas and fell in a shootout to the K-Wings. And then on New Year's Eve, they took on the Indianapolis Fuel for a game as well as other games that took place. They had the rink station between third base to first base, more towards the outfield than anything else. Uh, like I, like you've seen before on our Facebook page, you saw me at the rink when they were when it was uh, Anthony Wayne playing Avon, and you showed I showed you the view from the seating bowl. The best seats were between section one nineteen to one sixteen, and then one from one o four to all the way out to one o one. Anything in the upper level in that area between 201 to 206, and then from 219 to 216 to 215 were the better seats upstairs to see. Anything else? Watch you're watching the game up. You're watching the game on the TV screen, basically. That's what it is. But of course, Winterfest was a success in a lot of aspects. We had a lot of people that have went through the turnstiles. I want to thank the Walleye for a great Winterfest. I want to thank you, the fans, for coming out and supporting hockey in Northwest Ohio. Of course, a big turnout for the St. Francis-St. John's game, as well as a big turnout for the Finley-Bowling Green game. i got to make mention of that right off the bat. Uh, it was one of the first events of Winterfest that took place after like the kids' hockey games, the amateur and young kids' hockey games. We had the high school game between Finley and Bowling Green, and the fans were out there and supporting both teams, and I was just absolutely astounded by it. And same way with uh, Anthony Wayne and Avon. Seeing Avon coming all the way over from the Cleveland area and having their fans there supporting their team along with, along with the Anthony Wayne Generals guys, which is fantastic, absolutely fantastic to see. And the great charity games like the Toledo Police as well as the Toledo Fire Department playing. Uh, one of the cool things, though, for me, of this whole Winterfest was the Toledo Alumni Game. And the Alumni, for me, is one of my favorite events every year. And I, I hope they continue to do the Alumni Games. Uh, I hope that they continue to do uh, uh, Hockey hockey Heritage Weekends uh, after, next, after, this, after this season. I liked, there's a few names that I would like for us to consider going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And if Dan Savick's listening to this, 
I know I know Dan listens to some of my podcasts. I know uh Tucker, Ted Tucker listens. I know Chuck Hart listens. Uh, and by the way, Chuck got a chance to see you. I did not get a chance to like wave hi to you. My mom, Debbie Elford, wanted to say hi. Uh wanted me to say hi to you. Uh but Chuck inducted uh a player into the Hall of Fame. I forget, I think it was uh McPhee. Ian McPhee into the Hall of Fame. It was great to see that. Uh, watch, watch the whole induction ceremony. It was fantastic. See Rick Corvo going in, Nick Fatusi going in. Uh, four, uh, th- uh, three gold diggers, two gold diggers. Uh, it was a seven, seven inaugural class that went into the Hall of Fame. Now, now getting into what I wanted to talk about really quick. Okay, um, with the Hockey Hall of Fame. I know it's Savick listens, and I know a lot of them listen to it. And I, I, I want, and the, it comes out to fan voting of who I want to see into the Hall of Fame. There is a few, and now there's some Storm players that I'd like to see into it. I grew up with the Storm. I grew up, growing up with the Walleye a little bit too, but the Storm was what I grew up in. I grew up on one Main Street. I grew up watching the Storm play hockey games. I remember my first game when I was four years old. They played the Louisville River Frogs. I remember the jerseys. I remember the good times. Uh, I went with my mom and my dad. And when my mom and dad didn't want to take me, it was a uh, uh, family friend, Joe Hatfield, that would take me. And then when I grew up and got older, I got to go to the games by myself when I was like 13, 14. And I went with my best friend, Danny Facer. And I've gone, I took a few dates on to hockey games, had a good time there. Uh, been hit with a puck. I've been... I've been yelled at. I've been thrown. I've been. We. I almost. Me and Danny almost got into a fight with some Dayton Bomber fans back in the day, and seeing some of the great teams that the that the Storm had on there by by uh, 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 Scooter Smith and Nick Perillo and Chris Blight and all these great players. Going, there's a few players that I would like to see in the Hall of Fame, and one player. I'll, I'll give you three from the Storm from the Storm era, that I would like to see. Number one for me is Andrew Williamson. Williamson was a hockey player for the Storm that played four four to five years with the Storm before then he got moved to Dayton to play. And now Williamson was a goal scorer. This kid was an absolute sniper from the point. Absolute fantastic player and a great community member as well. I think Williamson going into the Hall of Fame would be great. Number two for me is Rob Thorpe. Number 33. He was one of the first players that I watched growing up and thinking, man, if there's a player out there that can be a two-way, that's a two-way player, Rob Thorpe was the player. Played solid defense, played awesome offense. He was a great community man for the team. He was with the organization for I don't know, six or seven years. I remember getting an autograph for him at the old uh, old Erie Street Market. I remember that. And, you know, he's he's a he should be a Hockey Hall of Famer. It's a little Hockey Hall of Famer from his years with the Storm as well as, you know, what he's done for the community with the regarding of hockey. So I think he go, needs to be first ballot Hall. Of, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame as well. Third is Ian Duncan. Now, Duncan was not in my time frame. However, there's been such a community outcry for him 
to go into the Hall of Fame, I, I, I think Ian needs to get in. I really, really do. I think Ian needs to be in. Uh, the man has paid his dues, played with the organization, was, was absolutely fantastic. So I think Ian Duncan should be into the uh, Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame. So there's my three. Williamson, Thorpe, and Duncan. Now, for the walleye, of course, uh, you'll have Rankin, I think, should be in, will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, when Burschback's time comes up, I think Burschback deserves an opportunity. Same with A.J. Jenks. Even though Jenks ended his career with the Fort Wayne Comets and with the Kelly Cup Championship, I think his years in Toledo really helped out. Same with Kyle Bonus. Bonus was the key piece for that team in in the in the 2014-15 season that helped that team get to the Kelly Cup, you know, the to the to the conference championship games, especially that game-winning goal against Wheeling. I was there in attendance. I poured pop over the top of my head. I was absolutely ecstatic. But I'll never forget that. So I think uh, those three. I also have to give. Uh, I have to give some credit also, is we have to talk about uh, a visionary in the in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and that's Joe Napoli. If it wasn't for Joe Napoli getting the rights for Toledo Sports Inc., we would have no walleye, we would have no Huntington Center, and we would have you know, a lot of it would be there'd be no Nick Fatusi going into the Hall of Fame from this past season. There'd be no Kyle Rogers in the Hall of Fame. So, why isn't Joe not in the Hall of Fame with the Toledo Sports Inc.? You know, plain and simple. And for me, those guys for the wall, I have to go in. Plain and simple. I think also, I'll throw this out there. For a gold digger, I think Yuri Kucherov should be in the Hall of Fame. His time with the with the Gold Diggers was great. He they helped he won, helped them win the 74-75 Turkey Cup championship. Uh Yuri is a great was a great ambassador to the city as well as with the team. I think he deserves an opportunity to go into the Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame. So if you're looking at my ballot card, I have for my gold digger being Yuri Kutrasov. For the storm, I have Andrew Williamson. Rob Thorpe and Ian Duncan. And then for the walleye card, I have Rankin Burschback when he gets an opportunity. Burschback, uh, Bonus, and Joe Napoli. So there is my seven. I think, uh, who is your seven? Who is your Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame card? Uh, for me... Like I said, that's those guys are a proud institution players for the organization. I think that they deserve to be in the next class of the Hall of Fame. I think, uh, you know, it, it's one of those guy. It's one of those things. Also, you got to count in Scooter Smith for his time with the with the Storm. I got to include him into the list. I think he's a great player as well. Great forward. Uh, but you know his time was not that lo- was not that long with the storm. Uh, but yeah, Nick Perillo. So there's that. Uh, 
going off a little topic tonight right here as we're doing the walleye roundup right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in to the show. And let's go back into the walleye roundup. As like I mentioned before, the fish did perform on the 26th loss to Kalamazoo in their wild in their first outdoor game in seven years in front of a good sellout crowd at Fifth Third Field. And now we get to uh, the game this past Sunday, uh, this past Friday night at Fifth Third Field. And they took on the Indy Fuel. Great crowd on hand. Again, another sellout crowd. 10,081 in attendance to watch the hockey game, the second biggest crowd to watch a hockey game, of course. It all started off with Indianapolis with Elmer getting his fifth of the season from Iverson and Eric. It was one nothing Indianapolis. And then the Fish really took over after that. It was Hensick getting his 16th of the season from Marinette and Frazier was 1-1. And then in the first period, Randy Gazzola getting his third of the season from Tomnick and Houshell. It was 2-1 Fish after 20 minutes of play. The Fish continues on with Howshell getting its fourth of the season from Tomic and Parcells at the 2.20 mark of the second period. And then Albert getting its 13th of the season from Hurd at the 5.26 mark of the second period before leading it 4-1. The Fish continued their pounding in the second period with Hawkins getting his second of the season from Godzilla and Albert making it 5-1 Fish. And then Parcells again getting his first of the season from Hurd and Boeing at the 18.52 mark of the second period. It was 6-1 Fish. Watson getting a breakaway goal, his 14th of the season in the second period, cutting the deficit to four. It was 6-2 in favor of the of the Fish. But then Olaski getting his second of the season from Gazzola, making it 7-2 as the Fish Cruise to a 7-2 victory at 5th 3rd Field, finishing 1-1 at 5th 3rd Field, and bringing in the new year with a big 7-2 win over the Indianapolis Field. The Fish outshot Indy in the game 33, actually were outshot in the game 36-33 by the Indy Field. Both teams 0-4 on the power play, Indy 0-3, the Fish were 0-2. Christopoulos stopping 34 of 36, his save percentage of a .975. It was Lackey getting the loss. He stopped between 26 of 33. His save percentage is on a point eight eight five. So the Fish, a big win. There was a fight in the game. It was Cole Frazier dropping the gloves with McKay. McKay was just being a, a, a pain in the ass all night for the Fish. And Frazier dropped the gloves. First fight in the Winterfest history. As Frazier dropped the gloves, he gets two for instigation and five for fighting. McKay gets five minutes for fighting, but the Fish getting a 7-2 win and closing out Winterfest, tidy up the series at, tidy up the series for Winterfest at 1-1. One one. Got to, like I said, make credit. The Fish did a fantastic job. Got to give credit to Sarah Sanchez and her crew. They did a fantastic job with the PR department down there. Uh, they did all the operation events. They did a great job. Got to give them credit and support them for what they did over this past big events the last three weeks 
went by the ballpark the last couple days. The rink is still intact. However, the glass and the netting is down. Uh, the boards, the the advertisements around the boards are gone. So I feel like the boards will be getting taken down in the next few days. If you got an opportunity, get a shot of it. If you didn't get any pictures of it, follow our Facebook page. You'll see all our pictures from the game. And we had good seats for the Winterfest game. And I, I was worried about the game on New Year's Eve because that game time, it was in the 50s. I was afraid that, you know, they weren't going to play the game because the temperature was so warm. They weren't playing games earlier in the Winterfest when the temperature was warm. So I figured, eh, they're probably not going to play this game. It might get delayed. Might be playing on New Year's Day. It wasn't the case. They played that game. It was fantastic. It was good conditions. We left halfway through the second period because it started raining. And I had a feeling that it was that we were going to get cold rain. It was a cold rain. I said, you know, I got to get out of there. Got out of there. Went home. Rang in the new year with the wife. Had a great time. By the way, I got to give a shout out to my man. He had his last PR department, by the way, on the PR department. Last event before he has the newborn. I got to give a shout out to my good friend, Dan Kotnick. Dan Good luck on fatherhood. Love you, buddy. You need anything, let me or Amanda know. We got you back. All right, so after this Winterfest has ended now, the Fish now have a tall test in front of them with divisional games going forward. It will all start tomorrow night, 735 puck drop, as the Fish travel to Fort Wayne to Battle of Comets. That's a 730 puck drop. The Fish 17-6-0-2, the Comets 16-7-3. We'll get to the divi- get to the standings here in just a second. Other games in the division, by the way. No other games actually in the division. That is the only divisional game that's happening tomorrow night. Then on Friday, the Fish will travel to K-Wings Event Center uh, to take on the Kalamazoo Wings. 7 o'clock puck drop. Other games in the division. Wheeling is in Indy to battle the Fuel. You also have... Uh, Fort Wayne in Cincinnati, the Battle of the Cyclones, big game there. And Iowa is in Rapid City to battle the Rush. Saturday, the Fish then travel back to in, back to Fort Wayne for a 7.30 puck drop at Memorial Coliseum. 7.30 puck drop for that one. Indy is in Wheeling for that one. And uh, Kalamazoo is in Cincinnati, the Battle of the Cyclones. Iowa is in Rapid City for that one. Sunday, the Fish are back. At the Huntington Center, at the Hut, they'll take on the Fort Wayne Comets. 5-15 puck drop. That is pause and pucks night. Yes, bring your dog to the hockey game. I think it's a terrible decision. But, you know, that's that's just PR for them right there. Uh, other games in the division. Kalamazoo is in Wheeling to battle the Nailers. You also have Iowa is in Rapid City to finish up their series against the Rush. Uh, after that game, after those series of games, uh, the Wednesday, the 12th, Fort Wayne is in Kalamazoo to battle the Wings. Cincinnati is at home to battle the Atlantic Gladiators on the 12th of January. So there is those games for you. Looking at the standings going in to this week's play, this is what it looks like. The Fish still holding the top spot in the Central Division at 17-6-0-2 with 36 points. Fort Wayne is right there. At 17-16-7-3-0 with 35 points. Cincinnati's right there at 17-11-1-0 with 35 points. 
Wheeling 15-10-1-0 with 31 points. Kalamazoo 15-10-0-0 with 30 points. Indy 10-14-2-2 with 24 points. And the Heartlanders are 9-16-3-1 with 22 points. In the North Division, it is Newfoundland at 15-5-2-0 with 32 points. The Lions at Traves are 14-9-0-1 with 29 points. Adirondack, the Thunder of Kevin Pipnitz. Adirondack Thunder is 12-9-2-0 with 26 points. The Main Mariners 11-11-3-1 with 26 points. The Reading Royals are 10-7-4-1 with 25 points. And the Worcester Railers are 9-13-0-1 with 19 points. The South Division is pretty interesting. The top spot is taken up by the Jacksonville Icemen. They're 19-9-1-1 with 40 points. Uh, Florida is 16-8-3-3 with 38 points. Orlando 16 12 1 and 0 with 33 points. Atlanta 13 13 2 and 1 with 29 points. Norfolk 12 16 0 and 1 with 25 points. The Greenville Swamp Rabbits are 9 12 3 and 2 with 23 points. South Carolina 10 15 3 and 0 with 23 points. And the Mountain Division sees uh, Utah up 19 10 1 and 0 with 39 points. Idaho is 16 11 0 and 1 with 33 points. Rapid City 13 13 2 and 2 with 30 points. Tulsa is 14 11 0 and 1 with 29 points. The Allen Americans are 12 9 3 and 0 with 27 points. Uh, Kansas City 13 14 1 and 0 with 27 points. And, and the Wichita Thunder 10 15 4 and 0 with 24 points. So those are the standings going forward in the East Coast Hockey League, of course. Like I mentioned before. The fish back onto the ice on tomorrow night as they head into Fort Wayne, into the jungle, to battle the Fort Wayne Comets. And that is the Walleye Report right here on the Anchor Network with all Andy Alfred. And you're listening to us tonight either on Apple Music, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's hit the gridiron. We're going to start with college football. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong on the college football playoff. Well, let's dive into the college football spectrum and let's dive into the college football playoff. And, you know, the Cinderella run that Cincinnati had, I figured that, you know, they'd be competitive in most of this game against Alabama in the college football playoffs as they took on the Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, Bama! As they took on uh, Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. And like I mentioned before, we didn't know what Alabama team we were going to get. We were going to get the team that was that lost to Texas A&M. Were we going to get the first half team against Auburn? Or were we going to get the blowout team that blew out uh, Georgia in the uh, SEC championship game? We got a mixture of both for me. I think Alabama is beatable. They are beatable now more than, more than they have been in the last few seasons. The tie absolutely beat up on the power non-power five conference Cincinnati Bearcats as they routed them twenty-seven to six in the game on on New Year's Eve as it was seven to three after after the fifteen minutes of play. Then Alabama just turned out the Jets, putting ten points in the second quarter, making it seventeen to three at halftime. Since he kicks a field goal in the third, but then Alabama puts. Another 10 spot up on the fourth quarter as it was 27-6 was the final in the game. Ritter, 17 for 32 for 144 yards. Ford had 15 carries for 77 yards. 
for Cincinnati in the game. It was Bryce Young, the uh, Heisman winner, 17 for 28 for 181 yards, three TDs, one interception in the game as Robinson Jr. had 26 carries for 204 yards. And that's where Cincinnati's problem was, that they could not stop the run to save their life as Brooks had four catches for 66 yards in the game. The overall team stats, Cincinnati 2 for 12 on third down, Alabama 5 for 13. Cincinnati went for the fourth down on fourth down three times, failed on all three attempts. They only had 218 total yards of offense, 144 to the air, 74 on the ground. They had six penalties for 39 yards, or Alabama had 482 yards of total offense, 181 through the air, 301 on the ground. And like I said, that's what killed Cincinnati was Alabama's run game. That's what killed them. So that's right there. Alabama moves on. They will take on the winner of Georgia versus Michigan, and it was the Bulldogs absolutely steamrolling Harbaugh in his pick-nose era as as the Bulldogs beat up on Michigan, second-ranked Michigan, by a score of 34-11 to in the game. As Sensen Bennett was 20 for 30 for 313 yards. He had three TDs in the game. McCarthy was the quarterback. Carousel took place. As for Michigan, it was uh, McNamara 11 for 19 for 106 yards. He threw two interceptions in the game. McCarthy was the bright spot. He was 7 for 17 for 131 yards and one TD in the game. Haskins, nine catches, carries for 39 yards. Uh, uh, all four catches, 63 yards. Anthony, one catch, 35 yards for one TD. That was the only bright spot in the game for Michigan as Bannett was 20 for 30 for 313, three TDs in the game. They even brought in McCash. He was one for one for 18 for one TD in the game. White, White, 12 carries, 54 yards, no TDs in the game. Cook, four catches, 112 yards, one TD. Burton, one catch, 57 yards, one TD. Bowers, five catches, 55 yards, one TD. Mitchell, two catches, 34 yards, one TD in the game. The overall team stats look like this. Uh, Georgia, six, 10 for 16 on third down. They were a perfect one for one on fourth down. Michigan, 8 for 15 on third down. They were 0 for 3 on fourth down. Of the total offense, Michigan had 328 total yards of offense, 237th of the year, 91 yards on the ground for Georgia, 521 yards of total offense, 331 through the air, 190 on the ground, five penalties for 70 yards for Georgia, four penalties, 30 yards for Michigan. The turnovers is what caused Michigan to lose this game. They had three turnovers in the game, one fumble and two interceptions as Harbaugh is out of the college football playoff. And we set up the rematch for the SEC championship, now for the national championship in Indianapolis in one week's time on the 10th of January, on the 10th of January at 8 o'clock. They have the New Year's Six games. Let's take a look at some of those games. Arkansas, 21st ranked in the country, took on Penn State. They beat up on the Nittany Lions 24-10. to The Fiesta Bowl for me was a good game. I thought that Notre Dame was going to give them a good run, but Mike Gundy and the Mullet stood tall as they beat on the Irish 37-35. In the Verbo Citrus Bowl, it was Kentucky a winner 20-17 over the Iowa Hawkeyes. Baylor beating up on Ole Miss 
21 to 7. Then we get to the granddaddy of them all, which is the Rose Bowl. And I thought this game was a dandy of a shootout of a game as seventh ranked, excuse me, sixth ranked Ohio State took on 11th ranked Utah for the Rose Bowl. And, you know, CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jumba put on a performance in this game. Stroud having six touchdowns in the game. He was 37 for 46 for 573 yards, six TDs, one interception in the game. Uh, Smith, the jumbo, 15 catches for 347 yards, a total catching for three TDs in the game. Henderson, 17 carries for 83 yards in the rushing game for Ohio State. And like I mentioned before, uh, Stroud had one interception in the game. Henderson, 17 carries for 83 yards. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., six catches for 71 yards, three TDs as well. As Ohio State putting up a shellacking for Utah in the game, rising 17 for 22 for 214 yards, two TDs in the game. Barnes, two for two for 23 yards, one TD in the game. Rising ran also 11 times for 92 yards, one TD. Thomas, 18 carries for 67 yards, one TD in the game. The receiving core, uh, Kincaid, three catches, 45 yards, one TD. Kobe, Three catches, 34 yards, one TD in the game. And Bernard, two catches, 15 yards in the game. So looking at the team stats, Ohio State was had 28 first downs to Utah's 25. On third down, Ohio State was 4 for 9, and they were a perfect 2 for 2 on fourth down. Uh, Utah, 25 first downs. They were 5 for 12 on third down, 1 for 3 on fourth down. Ohio State had 683 total yards of offense, 573 through the year, 110 yards on the ground. Utah, of their 463 total yards of offense, 237 through the air, 226 on the ground. By the way, Ohio State, 37 for 47 in completions to attempts. Utah, 19 for 24 in their attempts. Uh, like I said, Ohio State, one turnover in the game, two turnovers in the game, one fumble and one interception. Utah had one fumble in the game. By the way, five penalties for 50 yards for Utah, seven penalties, 70 yards for Ohio State. As Ohio State wins the Rose Bowl, 48-45. That, by the way, the Rose Bowl had the highest viewership at 16.6 million people watched the granddaddy of them all on ESPN, beating both college football playoff games. The Orange Bowl between Michigan and Georgia drew a 16.5 million the day before, and the game before that, which is the Cotton Bowl, drew only 15.8 million. So the Rose Bowl was the better of the ratings for that one. So there is that for you. By the way, other bowl games on New Year's Eve: Wake Forest a 38 to 10 win over Rutgers in the Gator Gator Bowl. Central Michigan after. Losing their opponent to Boise State, the Boise State coming down with COVID, they lost the Barstool Bowl. Barstool Bowl was canceled, so they were looking for an opponent. Uh, uh, Washington State, their opponent, Miami, dropped out of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, so they asked Central Michigan to come over to El Paso to play the game. And El pa- and they were only going to make $175,000 with the Barstool Bowl. Central Michigan was. And they go to El Paso to play in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. 
They make $2.5 million and they win the game 24 to 21. How about that? How about that? One game taking place tonight, and as we speak, as we're doing the podcast right now, is the Tax Acts Texas Bowl that's taking place at Reliance Stadium in Houston as Kansas State is up 21 to 7 on the LSU Tigers. So there is that for you, by the way. Uh, I thought one of the best bowl games that I watched was the or uh, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl as Michigan State beat Pittsburgh thirty one to twenty one. I thought that was a really really good game from start to finish. It's one of those games that you know had you on your seat the entire time. So. So we now get into, after tonight's tax, Texas Bowl, the next game is the college football national championship game as third-ranked Georgia, 13-1 overall, takes on Alabama, 13-1 overall. 8 o'clock on the 10th of January, the day before my sister's birthday, which is the 11th. Uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN. I'm going to take Georgia in the game. Georgia is favored by three. I'm going to take the Bulldogs in that game. I think I think Georgia's ready for a rematch. And I think how Alabama played against Cincinnati, they exposed themselves a couple times. I know the rat poison's there for it, but I think Georgia's going to be is the better team. I really, really do. And then that will end the college football spectrum. So see how it all shakes out. We'll see how that all shakes out. As you are listening to Only the Offer tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in as we are doing this show, a post game edition of the program as the Jackets fall to the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight by a score of 7 to 2. Uh, let's dive into week 17 of the National Football League. And the Lions were in the 12th man. And the Browns were eliminated on their day off. Hmm. Now time to dive into week 17 of the National Football League. We're going to start with some of the local teams, of course, first and foremost. Let's dive into, uh, let's start off with the Detroit Lions. The Lions traveled up to the 12th man to take on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And it was pretty much the Seahawks routing over my Lions. The Lions absolutely being dominated in the game as they get beat by the Seahawks. Kept it close once in a while. I got a chance to watch the majority of the game. They lost to the Seahawks, though, however, 51-29 to of the game. No Jared Goff. He's done for the season. So it was Boyle on the, on the, at the center. He was 22 for 37 for two touchdowns. He threw three interceptions in the game. His QBR rating was a 56.9%, so a good outing for Boyle. He ha- he handed off the ball to DeAndre Swift four times, who was back in the lineup, four carries for 32 yards. But St. Brown, two carries for 23 yards, one TD in the game. Williams was the leading rusher, though. He had 11 carries for 22 yards, one TD in the game. St. Brown, eight catches, 111 yards, one TD in the game. Hodges, five catches, 60, 76 yards, no TDs. Benson, two catches, 31 yards, no TDs. And Williams, three catches, 22 yards, 
No TDs in the game. By the way, Decker, one catch, six yards, one TD. That was a great play to see the lineman getting the play. They had no tight ends, so they had to use a had to use a basically a lineman to catch the game, catch that touchdown as the Lions fell there. For Russell Wilson, he was 20 for 29 for four TDs for 236 yards. QBR rating of an 89.2%. He handed off the ball to Penny 25 times for 170 yards, two TDs in the game. Uh, Swan, two catches, 65 yards. Uh, DJ, uh, DJ, DJ Metcalf, six catches, 63 yards, three TDs in the game. Lockett, three catches, 24 yards, one TD in the game. Penny also had two carries for 15 yards. One TD in the game. The overall team stats, the Lions had 21st downs to the Seahawks, 29. On third down, the Lions were 5 for 10. Seattle, 7 for 12. On fourth down, the Lions shooting at 50% at 1 for 2, where the Seahawks were a perfect 1 for 1. The Lions had 357 yards of total offense, 262 through the air, only 95 yards on the ground. 497 yards of total offense for the Seahawks. They had 232 through the air. 265 on the ground. Five penalties, 31 yards for the Seahawks. Four penalties, 30 yards for the Lions. All turnovers were for the Lions. They had three turnovers, which were three interceptions by Boyle. They did not lead in the possession as the Seahawks had three minutes and 33 minutes and 33 seconds of time of possession to the Lions, 26 minutes and 27 seconds. So the Lions fall to the Seahawks by a score of 51 to 29. They now head back home to Ford Field to end the season with the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are only favored by two and a half in the game. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good to end the season on that note. We were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs a few weeks ago. At least we're not Cleveland and be eliminated on our day off. As the, as the Browns were eliminated from the postseason condition on Sunday as the Bengals won the AFC North. We'll get to that in the Week 17 recap here in just a second. But they did play last night on Monday Night Football. That's why we're doing the podcast on Tuesday besides the postgame edition. The Browns took on the Steelers for Big Ben's last game at Heinz Field. And Baker Mayfield was just... He was just terrible. And Mayfield... And tonight, today was announced by by the coach, by Stefanski, that Mayfield will not start the final game of the season against the Bengals. He will be, go into surgery early for that tour labrum. So the Browns knew that they were eliminated yesterday, but they still put up a good showing as Mayfield was 16 for 38 for 185 yards. He had two TDs and two interceptions in the game. Nick Chubb, a great outing. 12 carries for 58 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 3 catches for 76 yards. The overall stat, Mayfield was with his 2 TDs and 2 interceptions of 185 yards. But his QBR rating was a 14.8. That's bad. Nick Chubb, 12 carries, 58 yards, no TDs. Mayfield ran the ball 2 times for 16 yards. Peoples-Jones, 3 catches, 76 yards, no TDs. It was uh, Njoku, four catches, 28 yards, one TD in the game. Bryant had one catch for one yard for a TD in the game as well. Austin Hooper, two catches, 28 yards, no TDs. A lot of drop passes, by the way. Jarvis Landry, four catches, 43 yards, 
no TDs in the game. For Ben Roethlisberger, he was 24 for 46 with 123 yards of total offense, one TD, one interception. His QBR rating was 11.9. Najee Harris, 28 carries for 188 yards, one TD in the game. Raymond McLeod, four catches, 35 yards, no TDs. DeAndre Johnson, the former University of Toledo Rocket, eight catches for 31 yards, one TD in the game. As the Steelers get a big 26-14 win in the game, the overall team stats, the Browns had 15 first downs to the Steelers, 20 on third down. The Browns were 5 for 17, the Steelers 5 for 18. On fourth down, the Browns were 1 for 3, the Steelers 1 for 2. Of the 232 total yards of offense, 139th of the air for the Browns, 93 on the ground, 299 total yards of offense for the Steelers, 109th of the air, 190 on the ground. The Browns had 10 penalties for 77 yards. The Steelers, 5 penalties, 51 yards. Two turnovers in the game, two interceptions for the Browns. One turnover to the game for the Steelers. That was the interception. The Steelers led in possession 34 minutes and 55 seconds to 25 minutes and 5 seconds for the Browns. The Browns will finish up their season against the Bengals going forward this upcoming week in Week 18. And with that in mind, it is now time for the recap. And we'll also look at the playoffs right here as this is the recap of Week 17 and the preview of the playoffs right here to talk about the National Football League. It's time for the week recap of Week 17 of the National Football League right here on All Andy Alfred. Whoop! We begin with a cold, chilly, breezy, Buffalo, New York, as it was the Buffalo Bills circling the wagon and putting an X by their name as Josh Allen, 11 for 26 for 120 yards. He threw three interceptions, but it wasn't enough. It was enough for them to eliminate the Falcons. And the Bills put an X by their name as Matt Ryan, 13 for 23 for 197 yards. As Buffalo beats Atlanta 29-7-15. Whoop! We head down to the midway. And we head into Soldier Field. Where the G-Men travel on with Mike Lutta. To take on Justin Fields and the Bears. And the Bears mold the Giants in a steamroll fashion. As Joe Judge, it's pretty much dead on the wall. As Glennon, 4 for 11 for 24 yards, 2 TDs, as it was the ginger man himself, gingerbread Andy Dalton, 18 for 35 for 130, 173 yards, no fields, all gingerbread man, 1 TD, 1 interception, as the Bears beat up on the G-Men, 29-3, whoop! We head to the prime game on Sunday. The upset special. As it was Joe Bell taking on I'm Patty Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. And the Kansas City Chiefs in the jungle. And the Bengals 
with Joe Burrow. 30 for 39 for 446 yards. A total offense, four TDs. Mahomes, 26 for 35, two TDs. The Bengals pull the upset, game-winning field goal, and clinch the AFC North. And with a big 34-31 win, the Bengals are going to the postseason. What? We then head down to Nashville, Tennessee, Nissan Stadium, as it was the hottest flipper, the Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, taking on the Titan Up and Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans shot down with a harpoon of the Miami Dolphins, clinching their second straight AFC South Championship. As Tua was 18 for 38 for 205 yards, one TD. But Tannehill better. 13 for 18 for 120 yards, two TDs. As it's tightened up as they beat up on the Dolphins. 34 to 3. Whoop! We head into Lucas Oil Stadium as it was the Indianapolis Colts with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Taking on jackpot, baby. And it was Derek Carr, 24 for 31 for 255 yards, one TD, two interceptions. As Carson Wentz, 16 for 27 for 148 yards, one TD. But Carr keeps the Raiders' hopes alive in a playoff spot. As the Raiders beat up on the Colts. 23-20, Colts 9-7, Raiders 9-7. Wildcard spots for both teams looking good. Whoop! We head up to the Meadowlands where it was. Trust the process. Trust the process, man. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots taking on the urbanless Jacksonville Jaguars. That's touchdown Jesus was demolished. By Mac Jones as Trevor Lawrence 17 for 27 for 193 yards, one TD, three interceptions, man. As Mac Jones 22 for 30 for 227 yards, three TDs as the Patriots steamroll the Jags 15 to 50 to 10. Whoop! We head down to the Meadowlands as it was the J E T S sucks sucks sucks. Possibly pulling the upset over Tampa Tom and Rob Gronkowski. I'm drunk. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The big surprise out of this whole thing was AB is good. He walks out on his team and Tampa Tom doesn't walk off the field without the victory in the Meadowlands. As Tom Brady, 34 for 50 for 410 yards, three TDs, one interception. And it was Gronkowski, seven catches for 115 yards as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers raise the Jolly Roger over Zach Wilson, who was 19 for 33 for 234 yards. As it was Tampa, 28, the Jets, 24. Tampa is in the playoffs. Whoop! We then head down to FedEx Field to see fly, Eagles fly. 
on the road to victory. Eagles! E-A-G-L-E-S! Eagles! As Jalen Hurts, 17 for 26 for 214 yards, beats up on Taylor Haneke, who was 27 for 36, 247 yards, one interception. He was about as bad as a railing at the stadium. As the Eagles beat up on the Washington football team, 20 to 16. Could they be the Red Tails next year? We'll find out here on 2-2-22. Whoop! We then head over to Lincoln Financial Field. Oh, excuse me. BBT Memorial Field. Where the Lamarless Jackson Baller Ravens took on Matthew Stafford. And the LA Rams. And the Rams back and forth. Slugfest was a dandy of a ball game. And it was the Rams slightly getting the win. And I mean slightly if it wasn't for OBJ making those catches. As they rally and surge past the Ravens 20-19 at Stafford. 26 for 35 for 309 yards. Two TDs, two interceptions. Huntley 20 for 32 for 197. One interception. Cooper Cup, six catches, 95 yards, one TD. As it was the Rams, a 20-19 win over the Ravens. Ravens are on the outs. They're now going to be eliminated from the playoffs. Woo! We then head in to SoFi Stadium where the Chargers took on the Broncos. Herbert propels the Chargers back into the playoffs as he was 22 for 31 for 237 yards. Two TDs as it was Drew Locke, not Teddy. Bridge over Trevor Potter. It was 18 for 25 for 245 yards. One TD gave the Broncos a chance, but it wasn't enough as the Chargers beat up on the Broncos 34 to 13, knocking the Broncos out of the playoffs. Whoop! We then head in to the DraftKings Superdome where the New Orleans Saints took on I'm back and the Carolina Panthers and the Saints go marching in securing the win as it was Taysom Hill 8-17 for 28 for 222 yards 1 TD and Sam Darnold 17 for 26 132 yards 1 interception as Hill provides the securing win 18-10 over the Panthers Woo! We then head up to the 12th man in Lincoln Field where it was the Seattle Seahawks taking on my Detroit Lions and it was a beatdown. As it was Russell Wilson giving the one-two step over the Lions, 51 to 29, as they will finish the season not making the playoffs. Could that have been Russell Wilson's last game in the 12th man? We'll soon find out. Whoop! We then head into Sunday Night Football on NBC. As it was Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers discount double check. Taking on the Minnesota Vikings. As it was the Packers. Score. Routing the score. As Rodgers. 29 for 38 for 288 yards. Two TDs in the game as Manion. 
22 for 36 for 189 yards, one TD. Aaron Jones, eight carries, 78 yards, but Devontae Adams proving yet again that he is the top wide receiver at 11 catches for 336 yards, one TD, as it was the Packers clinching the number one overall seed, clinching home field advantage. The Super Bowl rolls through Lambeau with a 37-10 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Whoop! And we head into the final game. It was Big Ben. I need no Ben Roethlisberger taking on the Baker Mayfield-led Cleveland Browns. The Browns eliminated from the playoffs the day before. The Steelers looking to get back into the playoff picture. And Baker was not cooking yesterday. 16 for 38 for 185 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. And Roethlisberger, 24 for 46 for 123 yards, one TD, one interception. Najee was the key. He had 28 carries for 188 yards, one TD, as it was the Steel Curtain putting themselves back into the playoff hunt with a 26 to 14 win. All of the rounds. And that is week 17's recap of the National Football League. We now look at the playoff situations and the playoff standings going into the play. Yes, we're continuing the music. As like I mentioned before, we will start with the NFC, the NFC first and foremost. As it is an interesting playoff matchup. The number one overall seed right now is the Tennessee Titans. As of next week, which is the wild card weekend, here's what it would be if the playoffs started today. The seventh seed would be the Los Angeles Chargers playing the number two seed, Kansas City Chiefs. The number three seed would be Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals taking on Carson Wentz. And the Indianapolis Colts. And here is the kicker, folks. The 4C would be the Buffalo Bills taking on with Josh Allen taking on. Trust the process. Yes, that's right. Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Four teams are still in the playoff hunt with the Chargers and the Raiders. A win and you're in. You lose, you're out. The Chargers have the edge. But Sunday night, it's the Chargers and the Raiders on Sunday night football. When you're in, you're out if you're out. The Steelers can get in with a win and a combination. So are the Ravens. So that is the playoff spectrum in the AFC. The NFC looks like this. The top overall number one seed is the Green Bay Packers. They have clinched that. The two seed right now is the LA Rams. They would play the number seven seed overall, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. Tampa Tom, the defending Super Bowl champions, will be taking on the wet jeans of San Francisco if the playoffs started today. And the 4-5 matchup will be the NFC East champion Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals. I'm the baby. I'm Kyle Murray. 
Could this be the playoff matchup we look for? Two teams are still in the hunt. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. Holding the top spot at the seventh seed. Holding the top spot. New Orleans gets in with a playoff with the Eagles losing on Sunday. Looking at Week 18's matchups, here is what it looks like, folks. It is a full slate of games going forward into Week 18. I hope you enjoyed your New Year's Eve, of course, as we get you set up here. Andy will be back here in just a moment to look at the schedule for Week 18 and hear his predictions for Week 18 of the NFL season finale. But that has been a recap of Week 17's games, as well as the playoffs, and where it's all going to shape up right here on All AD Alfred. This has been the recap of the National Football League. Thank you for the uh, recap there, right there. I appreciate it right here on All AD Alfred, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now, like mentioned before, Let's take a look at Week 18's slate of games. Of course, Kansas City will it'll be two games on Saturday, January 8th, as it is games on ABC, ESPN, as well as on ESPN2. As Kansas City, the Chiefs, take on the Broncos in the first game, 4-30. As Kansas City, a 10-point favorite in the game. I will take Kansas City in that one. And then the nightcap sees the Cowboys of Dallas travel up to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Dallas a seven point favorite in the game. The Eagles have to have to win to clinch into the playoff position. I am going to take the Cowboys in the game. I think the Cowboys clinch and move on to the and make it into the NFC playoff games. And then we get into the Sunday slate, and we'll first start off with some of the big games. Of course, the Bears and the Vikings. Minnesota, two-and-a-half-point favorite in the game, 1 o'clock kick on Fox. I'm going to take Minnesota in that one. I think the I think an 8-9 season for the Vikings and a 6-11 and 11 season for the Bears, and Nagy is gone. Uh, Washington travels to New York to battle the G-Men. Uh, I think Washington is six-and-a-half-point favorite. I will take Washington in that game. 1 o'clock kick sees the Colts. In Jacksonville to battle the Jaguars. The Colts have to win this game to stay into the playoff picture. I think they will get a job done. Colts are 15.5 point favorites. I will take Indianapolis in the game. Which then sets up the Steelers taking on the Ravens. 1 o'clock kick Baltimore. A 5.5 point favorite in the game. Big Ben's possibly last game in the NFL. I think that is the case. I think Baltimore gets the win. Uh, Tennessee, 11 and five overall, takes on the Houston Texans, who are four and 12. Tennessee, a 10 and a half point favorite. I will take Tennessee in that game. New Orleans travels to Atlanta to battle the Falcons. New Orleans, a four point favorite in the game, 4:25 kickoff for that one. I will take the Saints in that one. We get up back up to the one o'clock games, and we'll first and foremost start off with the Lions. Lions, two 13 and one. Take on Green Bay, who is 13-3, have clinched the number one overall seed, have clinched home field advantage. Green Bay, a two-and-a-half point favorite. I am still taking Green Bay in this game. I think Green Bay is the better team. Campbell finishes 2-14-1 for his first season. That's just the way it is. Uh, the Bengals, 10-6 and six overall, have clinched the AFC North. 
They head into First Energy Stadium to battle the Browns, who are 7-9. They won't have a winning record this year. Cincinnati, a three-point favor in the game. There is no Baker Mayfield in this game. He is out. I think in Case Keenum is the quarterback. I think it's all about seeding. I'm going to take the Bengals in this game. I think the Browns finish 7-10. and 10. And the Bengals finish 11-6. and six. Other 4 o'clock games to go into. The Jets are in Buffalo about the Bills. 4-25 kickoff for that one. Bills 16.5 point favorite. I'm going to take the Bills. 49ers are in L.A. to battle the Rams. Now, this is a big game. 49ers looking to keep a playoff position. Battle the Rams, who are top spot in the division at 12-4. and four. They're a four-point favorite. I am going to take the Rams in that one. New England, 10-6 overall battles. The Dolphins, who are 8-8. Eight eight. New England, a 6.5-point favorite. I've seen crazier things in Miami. I just don't think Miami is there. I will take the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. Seattle is in Arizona to battle the Cardinals. 425 kickoff for that one. Arizona, 6.5-point favorite. I will take Arizona in that one. 425 on CBS. Carolina is in Tampa. The Battle of the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, an eight-point favorite in the game. i take Tampa in that one, which sets up the Sunday night game, which is the big one. The Chargers, 9-7 overall versus the Raiders, who are 9-7 overall. This is for a wild-card spot. Chargers, three-point favorite in the game. I think the Raiders get the job done at home, and they hit the jackpot. They make it into the postseason. I will take the Raiders beating the Chargers. So, recapping it behind, Raiders... Tampa, Cardinals, Patriots, Rams, Bills, Saints, Titans, Ravens, Colts, Washington, Vikings, Packers, Bengals, Cowboys, Chiefs. That's week 18. It's going to be interesting. It really is going to be interesting. So get the popcorn ready for a fantastic finale, season finale of the National Football League. As you listen to Week 18's predictions right here on All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. And we have now hit the end of our program tonight. It's time for Andy Rants. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on the Anchor Network. And you are listening, like I said, on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Uh, A couple things to pass along to you guys tonight, of course. We're doing these shows now once a week um, after this week. Uh, we'll have another show on Friday. Uh, then after that, it will only be a once-a-week show uh, because of the NFL ending, the regular season ending. We'll be diving more into hockey, more uh, college basketball. We'll dive into that once we get into February, into March, when March Madness starts up, and uh, so much more. So bear bear with us with that. We'll also dive a little bit into the Olympics as well. So with the Beijing games happening in less than a, less than about what one two three four weeks away from the start of the 
Winter Olympics as well as the Super Bowl as well. So there's that for you. Looking forward to all that. So with that in mind, it's time for Andy Rance tonight. And first and foremost, we lost two big people since I last talked to you guys one week ago today. And that was, of course, we lost one week ago today. We lost John Madden, uh, one of the pioneers of the NFL. He is probably, to me, one of my favorite broadcasters of all time. Uh, he taught the game to me really well, uh, kept me focused. And I, I, I've always liked John Madden's uh, easiness to the game, helping a lot of people. And, of course, the video games have been absolutely fantastic with Madden. Uh, helping out, learning the game, playing the game, and playing those games. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, we didn't know what a turducken is. Uh, but, you know, knowing him, he is probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. What it sounds like. I never met him, but he sounds like a guy that you would want to sit down, have a beer, and have some wings with, and talk, talk football all the time. So, we're going to miss John. Um, funny thing is, uh, last week, well, I, you know, I'll dive into that here in a second. The other one, of course, is Betty White. Uh, Betty White dying at the age of 99, two weeks out from her 100th birthday. Just, it's just sad to hear that. Um, she is an American icon, a treasure as a guy, as a man who grew up watching, uh, television back with, with my grandmother and my and my mom and everything like that. We watch the Golden Girls all the time. Um, you know, she, she was absolutely a bright spot in everything. I loved her in um, in Hot with Cleveland. I loved her in Boston Legal. If you've ever seen her cameos in Boston Legal, watch those. Those are hilarious. Uh, but uh, she is a national treasure, and she will be missed. Uh, somebody said on one of the uh, Twitter account. That, you know, Kobe opened the door in 2022, like the beginning of COVID and everything like that. And Betty White is closing the door in 2021 for it. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. But uh, we did lose an icon in Betty White. And so our thoughts and prayers. And the nice thing is that what we're finding out is that she went peacefully in her sleep. So that's the good thing there. So thoughts and prayers are with her family and with everybody that, loves Betty White. Our thoughts and prayers are with you guys as well. Yeah, there's that. Um, got an opportunity last week at this time uh, on Wednesday of last week right before the new year. Got a chance to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. I went with my friend Danny. We had an absolute blast time. It was my first time ever going. Um, just to see the history of the game and seeing all the articles and all the facts and everything like that. It just was absolutely amazing. You know, I could stay there all day if I really wanted to. You know, there's there's stuff that I, that I probably missed that I need to see again. You know, and so I highly recommend if you're ever in the Canton area to go to it. You know, for me it was a two, hour, two and a half hour drive, but it was totally, totally worth it. Um, you didn't see the, uh, like, Jim Brown's jersey of the programs one of the key thing they had a uh, segment there called the unusual items of the collection from the national football from the pro football hall of fame and one of them was a piece of the of the roof from the old pontiac silverdome and i was like oh my god i can't believe you have that 
But funnily, jokingly, the guy said, this isn't a piece of paper of Odell Beckham's stats from the Cleveland Browns. So, so that was pretty funny. Um, just to see some of the pieces, of course, like the Super Bowl rings, the Super Bowl trophy. Getting my picture taken with the Super Bowl trophy was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it was just it was great to see all this history in one spot. And, you know, it's decently priced to go. Uh, parking is decently priced. And, you know, we had a great time, me and him. It was something that he always wanted to do, cross it off his bucket list. It's something to cross off my bucket list, but I definitely will probably go again sooner than later. So if you're ever in the area, Canton, Ohio, Pro Football Hall of Fame, highly, 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 highly recommended. So there's that for you tonight on All Andy Alford. Of course, the rant earlier was on the jackets, of course, and my, my pitch out to the Hockey Hall of Famers of Yuri Kucherov, Andrew Williamson, Rob Thorpe, as well as Kyle Bonus. Oh, and uh, Ian Duncan, by the way. Uh, Kyle Bonus, Evan Rankin, Shane Bershback, and Joe Napoli. All those guys are my Hall of Fame ballot card for the Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame. So let's hopefully get that done for you. Uh, I close tonight with uh, with a little bit of a thought. Um, what's happening in this world right now? Uh, we are struggling in this world with what's happening with with the Omicron variant that's happening. We're seeing more and more people going into the hospital. Uh, Ohio is becoming the epicenter of the hot spot. Is becoming the Omicron variant itself. It's overtaking the Delta variant. And that's not good to hear. Um, we're seeing kids not being in school for a, for the week because of staffing problems. Um, tonight, I went to a, I went and picked up my dinner over at Spaghetti Warehouse, and they are having staffing problems because of COVID, as well as because of people not wanting to go back to work because of it. And you're seeing long wait times for food. We're seeing long wait times. You're you're seeing it. At, you're seeing higher wages happen, higher items in the grocery store because of all of that. When is it enough? When is it enough? And for some people, it already is. So to that, I say we just have to get through this. We have to get through this wave together. And hopefully, you know, we get people to get vaccinated. That is the key thing. As long as you are wearing a mask when you're out and about, you know, I have a coworker that is that is wearing a mask now because she feels like it's needed. She needs to be safe. She was she's one of those people that are anti anti mask wearer, but now she feels like she needs to wear a mask. So she's not wearing a mask because of the higher cases of Omicron happening, as well as <clears throat> as well as what's happening, you know what's happening in the in the US. You know, we have over a million cases of COVID happening today alone. We have over a hundred thousand of our Americans in the hospital and, and then for I don't want to be political, but then for our for our president to say that it's all the unvaccinated people, you're wrong. People who are vaccinated are getting the variant, but they're becoming asymptomatic, so they're having minor mild symptoms. And when once we get through this immunity, they said that the the pandemic by the end of this year could be over. But 
it's not over because we have eradicated it. It's because we learned to live with it. And I can understand that. Uh, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to live with this virus because of, you know, we've lived with the cold flu. We're living with the pneumonia. We're living with every, well, all the stuff. We just need people to get vaccinated so it's not as bad as what it was back in the early days of this pandemic. So, so keep your mask on. You know, I wear my mask. I'm triple vaxxed. I got knock on wood, don't get ever get COVID. Hopefully, God, God willing, if I get it, I get the mild symptoms. But it's just, you know, we need to wear our mask and we need to be vaccinated, folks. So that we can get back to our everyday lives. Because do you really want to go to a walleye game and have to wear a mask the entire time? Or to a, a Jackets game and wear a mask the entire time? Because that's what they're encouraging now. To be masked at all times. Do you want to have that happen as we go on later in the season? We shall see. We shall see. That's going to wrap it up for all Andy Elford tonight. We will be back on Friday for another edition of all Andy Elford. Uh, oh, actually, we'll probably be back on Saturday Saturday afternoon for another edition of all Andy Elford. Get you set for the Week 18 games um, and also dive into the walleye as well as the jackets. Hopefully the jackets get back on the winning page after tonight's pathetic performance. Over Tampa Bay losing 7-2. to um, So we'll see how it all shakes out from there. But until I talk to you guys on Saturday, this is Andy Elford saying, I'll pull it for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice and make sure you wear a mask. It's the right thing to do. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go! Jackets, even though we lost 7-2, to we've been outscored the game. 14 to 6. Get the job done in Jersey. Go Walleye. Good luck in Fort Wayne, Kalamazoo, and back here against Fort Wayne. Go State, Ohio, and BGSU. Go Falcons. Go Lions. Go Browns. And circle the wagons, baby. Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Saturday. For another edition of All Andy Alford. I love you guys. Talk to you then. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Alford. It is at All Andy Alford. And on Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network. Powered by Anchor.